Hello, welcome to Indie Bar's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers of NT Travers on the Twitters. And welcome to another episode of this podcast. We've been doing it for Benjamin. We've been doing this 165 times so far. Oh my. I know. I, I Every once in a while, like, the number just kind of like stacks up on you and you're just like, whoa, that's a lot. That's a lot of episodes. It, it, it's starting to feel like it, yeah. But at the same time, like, it feels also very natural. It's just like, we've been working together for a while. We like to talk about television. We talk, talk about television together. So it just keeps happening. Yeah, I mean, it's like we've developed this kind of, you know, comfortable rapport and, you know, we enjoy each other's company. I feel like we're, we're, you know, getting better at building something together and hopefully people are responding to it. But, you know, if we ever decided to end it, um, I wouldn't want to just come back and do the same thing again. Like, maybe we'd want to work together, but I don't know if I'd want to just come back and do the same old episodes the same way that we've already been doing for 165 weeks. Benjamin, you get a chef's kiss mwah, for that perfect segue to today's topic. I did it. You gonna, nailed it. I'm just going to stop talking now. No, you, you, it was perfect, though, because it, it's really because basically what we're kind of interested in today is we can't escape the revival, reboot, whatever you call it, movement. It, it's just we're it's it's what we live in now is it's part of our culture it's just what we're going to have to cover for the next millennium if we live that long we're not going to live that long spoiler alert but point is spoiler alert death comes for us all but in the meantime reboots and revivals are happening and uh the the reason we're talking about this today is because uh the the people behind the show, uh, Parks and Recreation, specifically Amy Poehler, have been talking, saying things like, oh yeah, we'd totally do more episodes of the show if we had the opportunity. And uh, honestly, reading that statement, as a massive fan of Parks and Recreation, as a person who loves the show to a degree that cannot be explained, I don't want it. Ben, you don't want it either, right? I do not. We want. We don't want it for both similar and different reasons. I feel uh, like like we agree on certain ideas of why we don't want it, and then I'll have my own personal aside. Um, but no, I I saw those reports, and I love how close the cast stays together. I, I don't remember if it was like if if this came up because someone asked Chris Pratt during his publicity tour for Jurassic World two. Um, well, I know they asked him, like, what he was most attached to or what character he wanted to revisit or whatever it was, and he was like, Parks and Rec, that cast, I love them, it's meant more to me than anything, and then everybody on Twitter kind of seconded that, Adam Scott, Nick Offerman, and then Amy Poehler was asked about it, um, about a revival, and she said yes. So, I don't remember, I don't know if that's exactly how it started, I feel like that's the course of events for where we are now, um, but my initial reaction was this, was similar to yours, I was just like... We don't we don't need it. Um, it's not pressing right now for that to return. I feel like a lot of what they discussed and got into from a topical standpoint is still relevant as it stands, so they don't need to reiterate it. Um, and then uh, I believe your point 
should well you're you're you should you should explain your point because I agree with it as well but uh, but yeah yeah basically um, my reaction to hearing the news and perhaps this is because Parks Recreation and uh, 30 Rock while they are not you know officially connected in any specific way they they are spiritual in that you know Amy Poehler and Tina Fey are of course you know friends and the show have show has a lot of crossover elements my personal feeling is that look you want to do a revival of your comedy series that's great you know what the perfect model for that is unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt basically after the end of 30 Rock Tina Fey brought on people that she loved from 30 Rock who were available and she created a whole new television show with new stars, but also original stars. And she, she made something new and fresh and original that also brought in people she liked to work with. Cause I think that's honestly part of the thing about revivals is like, oh, my old friends, I miss them. I want to work with them again. I should just, like, just revive the show and like keep it, keep it going. That's that's not a great solution. And a better solution is honestly just make the make a new show, but you know, bring your old friends on board. Yeah, and it's I mean to kind of you know uh, extend that a little bit. You know, I mean, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt had the same creators as Thirty Rock, and then obviously uh, you know Jane came back as well. Uh, in a in a role that wasn't all that far removed from what she was trying to do on Thirty Rock, Tina Fey was in it, but she was more of a cameo, like guest star kind of thing. Um, there's so it's not exactly the same thing, but what you're saying applies in exactly the right context. Like if they if if Amy Poehler wanted to produce and star in a show with Mike Shore, then that would be great, and then just bring in the people as much as you want. And if it was a more of a cast thing where these these cast members wanted to create something together on screen again. That's fine too. Create something new. We will obviously accept you guys in your new roles because you're all great actors and we've all seen you in different things since Parks and Rec and it's been very easy to go along with that. And if you just want that dynamic again, you can still have it, but you should try to push, you know, the envelope in a different way and and follow your creative impulses and not just rely on something that's already come before and, you know, revivals are easy, but that doesn't mean they're always the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I think, and especially when you do such hard work in creating a really strong series finale, by the way, you know, just going back to speaking specifically about Parks and Recreation, that finale, however you feel about it, it is a strong finale. It is, it is not a finale that lends itself to, you know, additional storylines is is meant to be a coda to is meant to be a final coda for the whole series um and i say this having just seen uh the new uh the new the new star wars films solo a star wars story um which i will not uh, i will not i'm not going to spoil anything but i'm going to say as a person who watches a lot of media for a living uh that is a movie that ends saying hey we have more stories to tell. Um, that is not the way Parks and Recreation ends. So, if a, if a movie can end at, with a cliffhanger, with a with a not a cliffhanger, but with a oh yeah, there's more story to tell, and a TV series cannot like there, there's 
I, I'm not making a total amount of sense here, but I feel like my point is made. No, no, no. You're 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 right there. And and the thing to me is is twofold. And first, to your point of it being a strong finale, you're absolutely right. It's one of those things where you know, they very purposefully provided an ending for everybody, and that's the ending they want you to have for the rest of time. That's what they want you to think about as the end of their story, whether or not they obviously lived on after that and did other things. It's like, of course they did, but we don't need to see that. We purposefully chose this ending, and it, it worked. Like, it was very satisfying from that perspective. And then, for me, the other, the, the other reason I don't want any more parks and recreation especially even if they did the thing where like they fill in the gap between you know they did a time jump um both in the finale and in the final season even if they kind of just try to fill in the gap with stories which they could do especially if they were doing like a limited series or whatever um i I don't want to see that because it was clear in the in the final season whether you liked it or not and i didn't love it it was clear that they wanted to do other stuff. They were trying very hard to break new ground and tell different stories. They had a whole a whole episode where Andy Dwyer was just doing his show. He was just yeah. Chris Pratt was just playing Andy Dwyer, and Andy Dwyer was in his TV show, and all the other characters stopped by as guests on his TV show. So we were watching an episode of that, and that wasn't something they did on Parks and Recreation before. They the, Mike Shore and the other writers and. I imagine the cast as well were very excited to try to tell new stories and that to me indicated again they were ready to be done with this one like they were ready to move on and go into different you know venues and and stories and become different kinds of storytellers and inhabit different characters and they wanted to explore that and and Mike Shore is a great example because The Good Place is um, thematically and uh, tonally within the same realm of Parks and Recreation, but the storytelling and the structure is vastly different. He wanted to do um, a very different show with his follow-up, and he did, and he succeeded uh, completely in doing so, and it's exciting to see where that thing's going to go. But I I feel like most of them would want to do the same thing. They'd want to be more creative than just falling back on the same model that they had before, and I wouldn't want to try to box them in and because I didn't really enjoy the final season as much as what came before, I wouldn't want to see them do that again. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. Well, I feel like also the idea of the the Kimmy Schmidt approach, and I feel like I feel like we want to like trademark this. It's kind of like the oh, so you want to do a reboot? How about this? How about this alternative instead? Like the Kimmy Schmidt approach is you don't have to leave all your old friends behind. You can take whoever you want, whoever you love. Uh, and you can bring them with, with you. Bring bring them with you to this new show. You can tell a new story. You can bring in new exciting talent that will jive with the other with with the people you really want to bring back, who you love, like. And then also, you know, uh, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for guest stars down the line, and it's a whole new narrative that you can then, like. 10 years from now, we can do a Kimmy, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt reboot, that sort of thing. Like, um, oh God, what was I thinking about just now? Oh, sorry. Uh, but <laughs> that that's a perfect moment of uh, discombobulation. But the, the, the whole topic of reboots and revivals is so complicated and so weird because we're just trying to figure out how how to keep telling stories in this new environment and not really ever like coming up with a good answer no and it's it's interesting kind of looking at the different ways to extend the life of us of a story or a show and you've got 
you know, you've got the the exact revivals. You've got the ones that are literally just picking up wherever they left off, or you know, in the case of Will and Grace and Roseanne, rewriting their endings so that they can just pretend to pick up where they left off, and then they're just going to tell the exact same stories that they were or try to, um, and just keep going. And then you've got um, kind of the the reboots where they're remaking shows and like they're use like they use the same uh, you know title and they use kind of the same structure, but they're going to update it or modernize it or or change it in some way while you know maintaining whatever they felt like from the start. You know, like your what, Dynasty and Dallas and all that shit. Um, but you've also got the spinoffs, and the, and the spinoffs you know usually take a character and they either put them in a new location or put them in a new scenario or have a new setup, but they hold on to that character so that you still remember, like you still are familiar with him and you have that connection to the old show. You know, you've got Frasier, you got Better Call Saul. There's a, there's a million examples of those. And then I feel like the next extension of this is what you're talking about with Kimmy Schmidt, where you've got creators who want to use the same kind of storytelling. Like they, they like, you know, they've got a lot of pop culture references, the, um, the dialogue is very similar. Like their style isn't that differentiated from what they did before, and they're going to use people that they enjoyed working with already, um, and just put them in an entirely new story. So it doesn't feel like it's attached to Thirty Rock. You can't, like, you don't have to watch Thirty Rock to watch Kimmy Schmidt. But if you like one, you'll probably like the other, and that's nice. Like that's a that's a good extension. And then you know, obviously there's plenty of stuff where you can just go on a completely new, uh, you know, a, a new area with new people and, and try something entirely different. Um, but, you know, these stages are all, they're all part of the game. It's just a matter of uh, what the creators feel like doing and what their motivations are. I mean, from your experience, like, have you talked to people who don't like 30 Rock or do like 30 Rock but don't like him and or vice versa? No, um, I mean, no, I, I don't think I know anybody who's only seen one, in part because 30 Rock inspired such a passionate fan base, and as small as that fan base could be, um, you know, they're going to follow Tina wherever she goes, uh, and then Kimmy Schmidt also doesn't seem to have a massive audience behind it, so most people I've talked to, especially because 30 Rock was, is it still available on Netflix? Like, I feel like they crossed over 30, no 30 rock 30 rock is fired off netflix but it's now on hulu yeah okay well yeah at the time it was on netflix and people would be yeah. watching both so good answer i mean i think i think honestly what i was uh, the, the thing i was stumbling on before uh is that the idea of if we don't create new ip if we don't create new intellectual property if we don't create new ideas uh, what are we going to revive and reboot in 20 years? And I think that's honestly like something that, you know, creators need to be thinking about today because, you know, we're not thinking about it to some well, degree. And, and especially the conversations we're having now as reporters, we're already thinking about the revival as soon as a show is announced that it's over. Like if they right. say they're ending... You know, your the first question your your answer is like, would you come back? Because now it's such a, a plausible option. I remember with the new girl cast, we asked them if they'd come back after the finale screening, and a couple of them I can't remember who exactly, but a couple of them were like, yeah, we'd come back, sure. Like if you want to do like a a short, you know, little 
limited run or you want to just knock out a couple seasons on a different platform or whatever it's going to be like whatever fox turns into god knows um you know they'd, they'd be down with that and um you know other people are are much more hesitant but you know they'll say stuff about how much they love the characters or how they already missed the characters or you know the story or working with so and so and you know that's how a lot of this comes up and you know if you work with somebody for seven eight nine years and you really enjoy that experience no one should be holding you back from doing that it, it you know if that's your the best version of your life and you want to keep living it then by all means but um usually these kind of great shows come from great minds and you want to explore all the corners of that mind especially as it develops and i think one of the things sorry this is getting longer than i meant to be but one of the things that you notice about some of the revivals is they do change um their attitudes change and that's because even though you're you know bringing back the exact sets that you had and you're bringing back the exact cast that you had the the people have changed whether they're the actors or uh, the writers over time over the however long they've been on a break they're going to be different than they were when they were writing it the first time and then you're going to see a different version of that show which makes it risky makes it can it can alienate people it can um it can be extremely rewarding but it it's it's hard to just put you know put the uh, the the toothpaste back in the bottle like you can't recapture that magic as easily as just you know telling people to show up and we're just going to do this again so it's i you, you never want to tarnish what came before and um on the other side of it you want to see what these people can do now what what new things they can bring to the table well and that's part of what i think is really exciting about the idea of the kimmy schmidt approach which is the idea of like take take what you know about these amazing talents and not always drag them back in like let them you know let people who are like tracy morgan and uh, god i'm blanking on the name of uh, the guy the actor who played kenneth but uh let let people like find oh, new jack mcbriar yeah, Jack Rivera. Like, but fine. Let the, let let actors who have been in these roles for so long find new opportunities. But let also you know the actors that you know so well find like opportunities within within this new frame, framework. Like find them new characters, find them new opportunities. Um, another another show that kind of like you know in to- in terms of talking about spinoffs. Uh, and 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 uh, you know moving not non revivals uh the good fight is so interesting in this in this respect because it is officially a spin off of the good wife uh which ran on CBS for so many years uh it has a diff- it has a lot of the same cast like it, it exists in the exact same world as the original show um but in the same way it kind of feels like we're talking about it in the same respect where it's like the creators were like we ended this show. We're going to create a new show. It's going to be pretty similar to the last show in a lot of respects. And let's be clear, uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is a great show. It is. It has its own spin on things, but it does feel similarly to 30 Rock in a lot of ways. If only because the music is a very connective tissue that keeps a lot of scenes driving forward. Point is... Good Fight is a really interesting show um, and does a lot of the same things we're talking about. It is not a revival of The Good Wife, but it does 
it does offer a, another model where it's like, you know, take take a lot of the elements of the show that you were doing before, add new elements, create a new storyline, like try something new, which is always, I think, what we're shouting about on this podcast is just try something new. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, it's easy to see the appeal of it. And instinctually, you know, your first reaction of like, oh, I get to watch more Parks and Recreation is good. Like, it's, it's of course, we would want to do that. Like, of course, we wish we had more episodes. But, I mean, you have to kind of think this through in a, in a long, longer term um, mindset. And, and I, I, I trust them to do whatever they think is best. And, you know, Mike Sure at this point, I don't think he can do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so just you know go with god do whatever do whatever you feel like uh far be it from us to to tell you you're wrong about something but if the idea is motivated by anything other than than a new fresh idea or a new fresh region reason to come back something that actively overrides whatever it was that they that made them decide to stop in the first place it's like don't bother. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think the thing is like, I think we're all very sensitive to the idea that if you're going to do a revival, it has to be for a reason. And and if the re you know, or if it has to be for a reason, it, it sounds actually like, oh, we're just calling anything that's like, oh, like Roseanne, like oh, this is a shameless cash grab, which let's. But, okay, I'm not calling Rosanna Shameless cash grab. What I'm saying is that, uh, you know, there there needs to be something sort of, like, thematically interesting about bringing it back beyond just, like, oh, hey, we have this intellectual property in our, in our, storage, in our storage space. We should figure out what to do with it. Yeah, and I mean... I... I think I think Will and Grace maintain is still one of the better examples of a of a purposeful, meaningful, well executed revival. Um, the actors are all so fucking good at at what they do, both in those roles and outside of them. That the kind of energy that they brought to it when they were younger is is still there, and the timing is still there. And then the topicality of each episode, whether you like where it goes or how it ends up or not the top quality is there they have a very strong reason for writing each episode they write and you can see that because they care about it and they're like god we just got to get this out there um whereas roseanne just uses topicality to topicality's sake like they're just uh, she's just mentioning stuff without having a purpose behind it and to me that's extremely irresponsible and boring but um but yeah, I mean, it's it's the the reason is always important, um, and I mean, I I just want I just want we want new ideas for unselfish reasons. I think I think we want the new ideas because they could be more they could reach a broader audience. They could mean more to new people they can they can open up avenues that aren't that are that are aren't available when you're doing a revival and you're tied to certain things um i don't know i mean it's it's always tricky this is going to be something we're going to be dealing with for a long time now because every year there's at least one or two revivals that really just set the world on fire it seems like for the last two three years at least 
Um, so we're going to deal with it, but it's a matter of understanding why we want that and then how it compares to everything else that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the first time we've talked about revivals on this podcast, I'm sure. But I think, I think, I think honestly, it really just comes down to that. It's just like in, in this job, we just crave the new. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, in a world of too much TV, you don't want to see something you've seen before in any context. If it feels overly familiar and it's a new show, it's like, well, this is just copying this and that's kind of boring to me because I know where it's going to go and I've seen this before. And, you know, you run that risk with a revival. If it's like, well, I've seen this before, it had a good run, I was done with it, I was ready to say goodbye, I don't know why it's back, and it doesn't give you the reminder, then you're going to feel the same way, so... Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which was we asked Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Well, this is, <laughs> this is a complicated uh, question, honestly, because I, uh, my answer for the thing that I want to plug more than anything else um, is The Tale, but I didn't watch it last week. I watched it a little bit ago because I was able to talk to the director about it, and I had to watch it before I did that, so... We'll let, um, we'll, we'll, we'll let it ride. Yeah, the, the Tale is a, is a, was a Sundance film that was picked up by HBO, uh, directed by Jennifer Fox, which has been referred to as a cinema memoir, a cinematic memoir of her story. And it's a very honest, personal story. Um, it's scripted. Uh, she, she wrote the script over the course of years. Um, Laura Dern is playing her in the movie, but she's referred to as Jennifer in the movie. Um, other characters have been renamed, but it's about uh, Jennifer dealing with her childhood trauma. She's she's discovering it for the first time. She went through it. She had a different understanding of it. People challenge her about that when she's older, and then she starts to explore that again. And it is a absolutely gripping movie. I I, I it's hard to talk about. Um, there's a lot of challenging material, and it's something that I feel like is easy. It would be easy to ignore if you learned too much about it ahead of time. It could be so intimidating that you're like, I don't, I I can't even imagine bearing with it, but watching it is an experience that I hope everybody gets a chance to have at some point, um, whenever they're feeling ready for it, whenever they're feeling, um, capable of it and again I don't want to make it sound more intimidating than it is because it's a beautiful beautiful film and what she's able to do with it is incredibly powerful and moving and important and um, the performance of the Dern is just out of this world good Jason Ritter is incredibly good Elizabeth Debicki is is bone chilling as our colleague David Ehrlich likes to remind people um, since he saw it at Sundance and I, I honestly can't say enough about that movie, so please seek out whatever you need to seek out about it. It's on HBO now as you're listening to this. It premiered over the weekend, um, and that's the best thing. And then, awkwardly, as a second part, the new Arrested Development is good. Wow. <laughs> there's, been, there's been a catastrophe happening in the news, as everybody is certainly aware of. But the episodes themselves are good uh, after that first one. The first one is trying to course correct from the catastrophe that was uh, season four. And they're, once they get back into a rhythm, it flies. And I, I, I will never tell anybody 
you know, that they have to watch something if they see a person or if they see people that, you know, turn them off and they can't deal with it and that overrides the, the show. But when I got to watch it, it, it worked very, very well. So you are, you, you, every, all of your, both your picks are very much like on the line of like, let's just be as complicated and morally, morally uncertain as possible. Well, yeah, well, the, I mean, well, the tale, the tale is not morally uncertain. The tale, and the tale, by the way, I've also seen it. It's amazing. It's, it's going to destroy you, but it's amazing. Yeah, there's no, um, there's no hesitancy in recommending the tale, other than, um, other than the warning of like, listen, you're you need to sit down and watch this. It's not something you can passively engage with, um, and then Arrested Development. There is the moral quandary of being like <sighs> the responsibility for perpetuating more of this type of behavior and you don't want that and I think that's a larger discussion for perhaps another podcast but um, but I feel very comfortable in saying that the episodes are good yeah I, 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 I don't hate them I, I didn't hate them when I watched them I found them fine Ben do you know what I did enjoy Oh God, Liz! What was the best thing you watched? I and by the way, I I I have I have at least two credits on my on my account for this. Uh, ben Ben put a put a quota on how many times I was allowed to talk to him about this. But guys, Legends of Tomorrow season three is basically television perfection. Oh God, that's a yeah! You've used up both of your quotas <laughs> just by. Those I got, I got, I got one more. I got one more for before the before I run out of episodes because I'm on episode 17 of 18 in season three. Um, but I, I'm willing to blow them out, blow out all of my, blow out those two for this. Um, <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow, which is easily the silliest of uh, the CW's uh, DC Universe uh, television series, is so silly. It is so full of amazing aspects. Um, in the episode I just watched, um, Gorilla Grodd just tried to kill Barack Obama as he was attending Occidental College in the year 1979. And that's not even the silliest thing that happened in that episode. It is an amazing television show. It is maybe the best television show. Objectively, beyond just all of what I just said, objectively, on an actual, literal, critical level, it had maybe one of the best time loop episodes I've ever seen. And I'm a connoisseur of these episodes, uh, going back from Starship's Next Generation to Buffy to The X-Files, etc. Um, we, ben, both of Ben's picks are full of like complicated emotions and feelings. Legends of Tomorrow is a show that is just full of pure, unadulterated joy, and I cannot be more excited to be watching it. Yeah, I think that's a very good, um, very good explanation of what Legends of Tomorrow, or Lot, as you like to refer to it. L O T. Lot. But it's lot. It, also, it also is a lot. Uh, I, I, it's that's the purpose of the <coughs> that's very important in television these days you need you need things kinda, that you can just purely enjoy and not you know throw yourself into a tizzy over for good or bad reasons so yeah 
uh, I'm very, very happy that you found this, Liz. Ben, I really appreciate the fact that you've, you've been more, even less begrudging than usual over me yelling at you about it. Like, you, you, in private com conversations, you have legitimately let me tell you about the amazing things that happened on a once per every two episodes basis. Happiness is important, and I would never want to deprive it from anyone. Um, I mean, there's probably some shows that I would. Like, yeah. I'll ruin the Big Bang Theory if I can. I think it also helps that our good friend Allison Keene is also a huge fan of the show, and to whom I've been yelling way more about this show to her. I mean, well, I, what, I, what I mean to say is I've been yelling about the show way more to her than I have been to you, because um, I don't have a quota with her. Um, and I, I know you respect her opinion as well, so... Well, I'll, yeah, Allison and I have had quite a week. We Because <laughs> you, you guys have been dealing with the Americans. Which, well, speaking yeah. which, which is the next thing you're looking forward to. I, I, I don't think it's the Americans necessarily, but I'm sure you want to talk about it. Yeah, I, I'm under embargo for the Americans finale. Um, I think that's the, the next thing I'm definitely looking forward for everybody else to see. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> this season's been great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my shit come Emmy's day if if it doesn't get all of the nominations. Um, oh, uh, Emmy's day is gonna be so fun. It's gonna be terrible, but uh, but no, I the the next thing I'm looking forward to is uh, <laughs> is the FX drama series Pose. Oh, that's a um, good pick. Yeah, I. I was, there has been virtually nothing about this show from its background in terms of uh, origin story and plotting that I've heard to make it sound like it's going to be good. Um, it was like a, a multiple across the board rejected pitch for ages and then ryan murphy just kind of heard about this guy and liked him and decided to make it and what he's done with it is great and again what ryan murphy does as we talked about this the other day what ryan murphy does as uh, a producer in terms of elevating stories and storytellers from different perspectives uh from you know diverse backgrounds and all he's doing an amazing job with that but his execution on a level of man this tv show is good or bad it it steers towards the wrong end a lot of the time. So I was worried about Pose, but I've heard good things. Uh, I really liked the most recent trailer they released for it. Um, there's a lot of things that are good about it, you know, just the fact that it exists, so you want to support that. Uh, it's an anthology series. I like anthology series. Things have endings. That's great. Uh, and it's got James Vanderbeek and Kate Mara. I like them too. And then, like, being exposed to all of these uh, trans actors and seeing what they're capable of, because we, I mean, most of them we've never seen before, right? These are mostly unknowns, Rel right? Relatively, I think so, yeah. Like, they've got, like, Evan Peters and Kate Mara and James Vanderbeek are, like, a couple of recognizable names that they've attached to the show as well, but the, the leads of the show are trans actors um, that we don't know. And I love discovering new talent as well. So I'm looking forward to digging into it. Um, it premieres Sunday, June 3rd, uh, but I haven't watched any of it yet, so yeah. that's the end of my long spiel. Yeah. Liz, what are you looking forward to, and do you have any thoughts on Pose? Well, I wanted to ask you a quick question, which is, have you ever watched an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race? 
as you know, I have. I attended the season premiere at Sundance this year, as well as having seen multiple episodes in the past. The Ru- RuPaul's Drag Race? Yep. RuPaul's Drag Race had a Sundance premiere. It had a party at Sundance where they screened the premiere in the middle of the party with, uh, I think, some of the producers. I had no idea this happened. You bet. That's amazing. So so fun. So you ha- yeah, I mean, it's a fun show. I mean, I think uh, the other question I have for you, and we're going to be digging more into this a little bit later, which is, uh, have you seen Paris is Burning? Because I, I haven't, and no. I'm, looking, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Because... Uh, I feel like I feel like that's an interesting question. No, uh, okay, cool. Uh, but I, I am interested to hear what your thoughts on our impose. I'm looking forward to watching it myself. Uh, I have no further thoughts on it beyond that, beyond my love, of, my my love slash embrace of drag culture, and looking forward to seeing what happens with it. Uh, the next thing I am looking forward to, uh, which relates specifically in terms of the fact that it does involve a trans actor. Uh, uh, I have uh, a few days left to review uh, the Sensate finale. Uh, the se- series finale has been uh, made available for us as critics uh, as as you listen to this, and uh, I'm not ready to say goodbye to those 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 lovable weirdos, but I will have to. And I am. You know, that's basically it. Like, that's all I have to say. Like, Sensate has been a show I've loved covering. It's not a perfect show by any stretch of the imagination, but when it does what it does well, it does it in an amazing, ecstatic way, and I've always enjoyed watching it. Now, at least you get to say goodbye, Liz. That wasn't promised for a while, so... I made it happen with my mind powers. Exactly. I've done this... I'm going to state this for the record, Ben. Uh, last year, I read an article saying Sensate needed a series finale, a, a feature-length series finale, uh, after it got canceled unceremoniously by Netflix, and then a couple weeks later, Netflix obliged, and they greenlit one, and I take full credit for that. And then uh, this year, uh, The Expanse uh, got canceled uh, by sci- by sci-fi, and then I commissioned a, our good a good freelancer friend uh, Jay Bushman to write an article saying that Amazon Prime should commission a should pick the show up. And Amazon Prime is in talks; it's not official yet, as as far as I understand. But I'm just saying I have special powers. Yeah. Once yeah. a year, once a year, I, I I can make this sort of thing happen. So, uh, 2019, we'll see what I can do for whatever show got unceremoniously canceled that needs help. Now, do you want, like, like, like creators to be pitching you, like saying, hey, our show's in trouble, can you do something about it? Or does it have to come naturally from your own inclination about a series? I think it needs to be somewhat organic at the very least. But, I mean, I like The Expanse, but I'm not super engaged with it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take pitches slash, you know, bribes. I'm right. not... Bribes are good. Bribes are lovely. Um, and if you want to know where to send your bribes, you can go to IndieWire.com, where you'll also find interviews, reviews, features, all the stuff you like. And make sure to listen to all the other IndieWire podcasts, including Turn It On podcast with Michael Schneider, 
uh, Screen Talk with Eric Cohen and Ann Thompson, and of course, the best podcast to ever podcast with the best podcaster who's ever a person, Chris O'Faltz, Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. He is lovely. Um, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet, that's with an I and an E. Correct. We will be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and as always, keep watching television. <laughs> <laughs>